right, everyone. Yes, welcome to the Delta Flyers. We are so excited to have the one and only Terry Farrell. Terry, yes, welcome. Terry, welcome. I love you guys. Oh, I'm so happy so, to be here. This is so kind of like an appetizer. You. It's like an appetizer because you know they get to have, have a little bit of Terry now and then more Terry later in the future. So yes, we're very happy to have you. Yeah, I'm happy to be an appetizer. Yeah. I. <laughs> All right. So starting from the beginning, you were born oh in Cedar God. Rapids, Iowa, correct? Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Yeah. Cedar Rapids is northern Iowa. Is it like closer to Chicago or is it closer to Missouri or where is it? It's southeast Iowa. Southeast. Okay. Mm. So Chicago is like a four hour drive. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Iowa City is where you fly in to go to Cedar Rapids, which I is see. really close. But Iowa City is where the Hawkeyes are. Oh, okay. all right. So and we were Hawkeye fans. Of course, as you should be. And why uh, were you guys in Iowa at the time? Why were your parents there? What did they do? What did they do back then? You know, My mom was a hairdresser when I was a kid. Oh. they She moved from Minnesota. My birth father i don't know the history of where his why his family was in iowa or i don't remember it um huh. he left when i was four oh. but my stepdad who adopted me when i asked him to adopt me when i was 19 yeah. is, uh, was a data systems analyst for hospitals and he wrote computer programs when computers were the size of buildings mm -hmm. right i mean they were gigantic or they took up whole rooms right yeah massive so that's, that's what he it. did. Okay. That's funny. Yeah. Your stepfather worked in computers around the same time my father worked in computers for General Electric Company. He did data sales and customer service. All the companies that would use GE computers for their data processing and things, he would <gasps> deal with them and figure out what they needed and then talk to the techs about how to make that work. But yeah. Look at the parallels. Yeah. Here. That yeah. is so cool. Old yeah, computers. With, like though. these big stacks of that. The paper, paper. uh-huh. Thinking like, oh my, he and he would never make a big deal about anything. He's such a he's such a humble man. I mean, he's 85 now. He's amazing. Mm. Still plays tennis and everything. Oh, that's awesome. Um, but I can't well, I didn't get his genes up here, but he's a very smart man. Did he bring uh did he ever have those um teletypes, those computers like that look like a suitcase? My father would bring them home. And it was uh, as big as a suitcase and it had a hard shell. You'd take the top off and then he'd go to our phone on the wall and the phone in. dial a number and stick the phone into the side of this teletype, it was called. And then he could work from home. Did your stepfather have that? I don't remember, remember that, wow. but I do remember those. Yeah. I yeah, don't remember I him doing that, but I do remember those. Yeah. My father would bring it home occasionally. It wasn't an everyday thing, but... He'd bring it home if he had a project well, or to had make to... an impact on you. Oh yeah. 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 And the cards. The cards. Yes. All those computer cards. Boxes of cards. Like, so whoa. Funny that you and I had a lot of that in our lives growing up. Yeah. Those old school the parallels. Computers. Yeah. What was it like growing up in Iowa? Well, we didn't have very much money. So most of our trips or vacations were car trips. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Same. And I remember my first stepfather used to, not my dad, um, would take us in the car to chase storms. Oh, wow. I remember wow. him holding me and my sister under his arms to put us in the car. So we must have been like three and four. I was four and Chris was three. And driving to my grandparents' house, like on Sundays for dinner. And when we would drive home, and this is one of the things I love about where I live right now in New Mexico. Um, there are no street lamps, mm. but I remember driving home before there were highway lights Wow! Yeah. and I'd stare at the stars the whole way, the whole mm. hour and a half to going back. Right. And I yeah. loved it so much, not going there, but I love staring at coming the stars back on the way home. Mm -hmm. That's so funny. It, it brings up a memory for me. We had a Pontiac when I was young and it had a very long sloping rear window mm. and yes. I would climb up into the back where the speakers, like the stereo speakers, because that long sloping window and I could lay you would lie under. there. Yes. Yeah. Clearly yes. my parents didn't care about yes. seat belts or anything like that. No, nobody did at the time. Nobody, nobody did. My, my dad, 
now he had a tornado and I was skinny enough that I was the one that could fit in the very back there. Yeah. I have uh, four sisters. So you, you, you would, but you would lay and you would watch the stars because we'd take yes. trips to see family. Yeah. And I remember those drives home at late at night looking at the stars through the oh yeah and we both went to the stars we both ended up we on both spaceships. went to the stars Isn't look at the crazy? parallels here this is crazy it really is That's okay crazy. let's talk about your did you do school plays or anything when you were in yeah, grade school get, or anything yeah. like that when when did the acting bug hit you uh, did any of that happen in primary school middle school or high school at all i think maybe this has to do with being a kid from the 60s or maybe it's just you know, uh, kind of part of being a kid, but I, I, um, always kind of performing, like, I don't know what it like was. Like in front like, of your parents, that kind of stuff. And yeah, with your sisters, that maybe that, yeah. What would you perform? Would you perform songs or plays? Terry and I did, uh, stepsister Terry and I did, um, a whole, a whole dance to, uh, Crocodile Rock. <laughs> and made up plays and um oh evil knievel was big and i remember yes. having this oh i think i was probably like maybe five or six and i thought i had this um purple bike with a banana seat yeah. and yeah. i was gonna jump off of it and onto the sidewalk well i missed and i landed in a gravel pit <laughs> Oh, no, <laughs> Terry, Please I can't believe stuff like that. You had the banana seat bike and and loved Evil Knievel. I was the same. I, <laughs> me and my friends, I had the Schwinn Stingray, which was the the Stingray was that bike the that had the banana seat and the big yes. handlebars. And we built ramps, and we would do Evil Knievel kind of like reenactments, and we'd jump and see who, and we'd mark it with like chalk on the street. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I just did this in my head. Yeah. I had no ramp. I just And yeah. then you ended up in a gravel pit. I yeah, I ate a lot of rocks. And like everyone's so excited to see you like do it. It's dangerous. Oh, You're doing it your own stunts dangerous. basically. <laughs> and then the look on their faces when I hit the blood everywhere, it just yeah, that's <laughs> Oh no. I do a lot of things where I don't think them all the way through. Ah. Okay, very insightful. So you did this growing up with your family and your and and friends just performing yes. and things. When was the first time you took it to the next level of like formal like a was it a school oh. play? Was it a was it was it modeling? Is that yeah, sort of in, in junior high I did a lot of musicals. Uh-huh. Oh, you did. You um, did. In, in high school, yeah. In high school I read for a play, but we had to it was one of those where they had to sing happy birthday who can sing happy birthday right in the auditorium and i was so nervous and so embarrassed and the auditorium was so huge compared to our junior high yeah. and that it was too scary and i i never auditioned for a play again wow um but i went to a modeling school and they told me that uh they thought i was photogenic so i took pictures yeah. and one of these women linda anderson was her name and she uh at the time she thought I should mail my pictures into the agencies and at the time Cosmopolitan had a book of all the agencies you could buy oh wow Manhattan handbook is what it was called right so I got that with my babysitting money and I had all the addresses for all the modeling <laughs> agents and I sent my pictures out and the first batch came back told me remember too in the 70s women we plucked our eyebrows like like this big thing in the front and then it was like a pencil line yeah let your eyebrows grow out or you're too tall uh you got you're got. too so, tall literally oh, yeah. come on well the average wow. model was five eight. Oh, i did not know that but even uh, when they make a big thing about tall tall models like yeah tall, it's not an easy Models that are mm. five eight, they're going to make the most amount of money because they fit. It's like a, a last for a shoe. How they design the clothes yeah. is to fit on someone who's between 
you know, five feet and five eight. Right. Not six feet, six Correct. three or anything right. like that. Yeah. And um and at the time I was really tall. Yeah. It wasn't, I mean, being six feet tall and a woman in born in nineteen sixty-three was like, what? <laughs> it was like <laughs> I was the tallest. <laughs> I wasn't tallest in school until high school. What about your sisters, though? That were they also as tall as you? Are oh, they well, as my tall sister as sister Chris? Yeah. We have the same mom and dad. Yeah. No, Chris is shorter than me. I don't remember. I think she's like five six. Oh, oh my wow. goodness, that's a big and difference. And my sisters were not biologically related, so right. Oh, right. Okay. Hmm. One agency did respond and say, "We love you." Yes. So second set of pictures. My eyebrows are grown out, but I just did. <laughs> three headshots and I sent them out and elite model management, uh, a lady named Gara Morris called mm. me and it was the like August before um, my junior year of high school and said, we have your pictures and we're going to go on a scouting mission and we'd like to come see you. And if you look like your pictures, we'd like to sign you. Wow. Well, I knew I looked like my pictures. Right. <laughs> and so they came and they signed me. And I, from that, the beginning of my junior year, I took every credit I could. Yeah. And I didn't spend a dollar. I saved all my money to um, from babysitting. And I worked as a art assistant at uh, a recreation center for a potter. And um, that was one of my favorite jobs ever was working with the artist. She was really mm. cool. Huh. And uh, so I saved all my money from that. And we drove out uh, from Cedar Rapids to New York City and stayed at the model's apartment. What was the span of time between when you got the okay from them and then you were saving all that money to actually drive out? Like, what was that time? Okay, so this is August. Yeah. The beginning of the school year before school starts, they came out. Right. Then uh, we're talking Christmas time was the next okay. time I had a break and my parents could take time and that kind of thing. Yeah. So uh, it was what, August, September, October, November, December, four months. Yeah. So I needed to go to New York City to get uh, pest shots done. Correct. Like real professional uh, photographers. And you don't get paid for this. So I know a no. little bit about modeling, but I'll, I'll tell you what I know, and then you can correct me. So when young girls get signed from out of New York City, the, these agencies keep apartments for young uh, people coming in, and they kind of help set you up with a place to stay, and they have all these photographers that will take pictures of you for free. The photographers own those images, technically. Um, but you you can get copies of it for your portfolio, which helps you get paying jobs. I would just correct that um, I had to pay for my rent in the apartment. Your house? Oh, you do. Apartment. Yes, it's not free. They don't. Set, oh. They set you up with the um, opportunity to stay there, right? But you have to pay. So for I still it. have to pay rent. Oh. Yeah. So you're sharing a room. Four girls in a room. What part of town was that apartment? Eighty seventh and third. Oh, that's not Weird. a bad neighborhood. That's not no, too bad. And it, and it wasn't bad. And I moved there June 81. Oh, yeah. I was in New York 82. At the end of my junior year. So I is remember that, New York in those days. Is that upper, was, was a, upper West or Upper East Side, what she just said? Where is that? That's Upper, upper East. East Side. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And um, what happened was we did the test shots. And um, I'm there with my mom and my aunt in New York City on 87th and 3rd, 3rd Avenue. So it's East Side. Yeah. Um, and we went and saw a couple of plays that we didn't have very much money. So you go to Ticketmaster and it was before ever, the whole world knew about Ticketmaster, right? So you go the day of, and <laughs> it was a long line, but now it's like chaos, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's insanity. And what's really weird is we saw this Tommy tune. What was it? Bringing up baby or babies? Sugar my babies. And, oh, sugar babies. Oh, my right? one and only. I saw Sugar Babies and my one and only, and I think Nana was in one of those. I didn't what? know Nana then. Wow. No way. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Oh, and But so my sister and my, my dad went ahead and drove to New Hampshire, which is where my aunt lived. My aunt has her car with us. 
And so when I'm done with my test shots, my aunt is driving me and my new agent from Elite in the car. And and uh, my mom, we're going to drop her off in Boston and go the west of the way to New Hampshire. And on the way, she's looking at the pictures of me and she went, oh my God, you're going to, you're going to be a cover girl. And I was like, I had goosebumps all over my body. Oh, wow. And the weirdest thing is that's exactly what happened. Wow. wow. I mean, it really was. How quickly did that success with the modeling happen? And what were your first, what was your first kind of big breaks that happened for you there? The first day I was there, I got a job to do a beauty campaign for Mademoiselle magazine. Mm-hmm. And I, I got the job and I was going to shoot the next week. But the very day before I was going to shoot it, I got punched in the face by a bicycle delivery person. Just drove by me and punched me right in the face. It was, and I was right down the street or downstairs from the agency. I went running upstairs. Of course, there's blood. Once again, the rocks in my mouth. Now I got punched in the face. (laughs) Oh my God. I know it's like I'm a target, right? It's just what the heck. So um, I get punched in the face. I go up and I'm crushed because I'm thinking, well, we're not obviously going to do the beauty shoot anymore. And Mademoiselle was like, nope, we still want her. We're going to figure it out. She has a fat, my lip was sticking out. So what they did was they got a baby pool. And then we had me do a whole thing on shampoos and I had, bubbles and uh so i'm sitting in a baby pool but it looks like i'm in a shower and they're holding like a handheld shower head above uh, me yeah so it's not on me but it's in front of me right so you can't so, really see that i have a fat lip it's distorting the lip basically that's it's, crazy it's wow wow and then i signed an exclusivity with them after i got my first cover with them after six weeks but i'd already booked the cover of the new york times fashion of the times and the cover of the Washington Post, Fashion of the Post. So I was wow. successful, like mad, crazy right away. What wow. year is this that you I got there? I have no the, idea. What, okay. Summer of 81. All right. So Robbie, when did you get there? You got there 80. Well, I got Robbie? there summer of 82. So a okay, year later. So there, a year later, Robbie was there. So you probably saw her on the cover of these, you know, you possibly did. picked it yeah. up. Well, you would too. They were nation. Well, those two would have been. Yeah, finite because they are like gone in a month, right? Right, right. Fashion of the Post and the Times were parts of the the newspaper, but they wow. were a big deal in the industry that I had to sure. cover both of them, and yeah. it was like the best. They didn't let me go to Europe. Usually, a model goes to Europe first. Yeah, so you yeah. didn't go to Italy to or anything. Sheets. Okay, they just said we're going to do everything everything no, they're here. Gonna, they're going to make too much money on me staying in yeah. America. Yeah, that's incredible. That's so incredible. You, you yeah. kind of bypassed what every other model does and <laughs> going to Europe and finding success there and kind of cutting their teeth in Europe. But you didn't do any of that. You already went straight to the big campaign. No, which actually was safer. I had people looking out for me because I was 17 and because, yeah. you know, I, me, I was, a, well, a much softer, just, you know, naive and wide eyed and. I think mm. people just went, oh my God, do we have to protect her? She's like, I, <laughs> I'm six feet tall, but I'm like a little, uh, you know, Maltese in size, a great Dane body, but I was really like a little you're a, Maltese. You're a little Iowa Maltese, little that's Maltese exactly. from Iowa. That's a funny okay. analogy. <laughs> okay, so thank you. That's incredible that that happens so fast, yeah. so unusual. Yeah. Yes. And then how, take me to, how did the acting when did you go from modeling how did that transition happen oh uh the first time i met my agents davian littlefield was the agent representing j michael bloom at the time Mm. in our modeling agency because the models would were doing commercials right Mm -hmm. so we right and they wanted them to become actors and uh so she said would you like to act and i said okay because I'm not going to say no to anything, right? No. What do I need to do? And she said, nothing. And she got me into an acting class. And at first that was a little too scary because I was not ready for, I, I was not this angry seasoned person yet. I dealt with my anger 
way later in my life. Did, do you remember the teacher's name? Stella Adler or no? Yeah, I did go to Stella Adler. and uh, But that wasn't the class she them. put you in though, right? No, the initial class. Stella was in, I don't know where she was at the time. I don't remember my very first class. I also took a sonic class, a Shakespeare sonic class, which I loved. Oh, cool. And I don't remember the name of that teacher either, but I studied yeah. with Kate McGregor Stewart for a long time, which is where we did oh, do yeah. some Sandy Meisner stuff and a lot yeah. of improv stuff. Yeah. And then we did scene study too. So there were two classes when I finally got into like really enjoying it. Yeah. So I was 18 and I read for this TV movie. What network was this? It was ABC. ABC TV movie. Okay. So what I wasn't ready for the TV movie. Lynn Stallmaster was, uh, I don't know if he did the TV movie, but I was just reading for the executive at ABC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they put me on hold for a year. I don't, I can't remember what they paid to have me be on hold, but um, it wasn't like, you know, I was, I was already modeling. So it wasn't like I wasn't making money having a job. Yeah. They weren't holding me back. Well, very quickly explain to our audience what being on hold means in case someone doesn't, uh, doesn't understand that just in layman's well, terms. In layman's terms, um, I, you get uh, a check for them to have the first right of refusal to you really so first right of refusal is like any other legal document they have the first choice to use you as an actor before anybody else yeah so someone else could come and ask you if you could do a film or another tv show um we have to go back to that original producer uh or network and ask their permission for me to get out of the contract or get a what's it called like a writer Mm-hmm. anyway yep. this is getting kind of but, but there are people who are like oh that's really interesting now this is a long time ago i would imagine there's some things that we're probably fighting for and for our contracts now um the world is so different um yeah. well it's funny you say that I, I i hadn't thought of it in those terms ever but it's funny you say that because an overall deal or a holding deal like you would have gotten from abc back in the 80s yeah, usually they paid, you know, a token amount of money. It wasn't a yeah. ton of money. No. And, and the time period, was it a year, guys? Was it a year? It was usually or, usually yeah. a year. One year yeah. time to have it you on hold. Yeah, yeah, where they can use you for any of their projects, first and foremost, over any other yes. production company or network. Correct? So, correct. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You're right, Terry. I think one of the big issues right now is these, these new shows, these streaming shows, when they're so short, the seasons eight episodes, mm. six six or eight episodes that an actor will get paid for, mm. but then their contract holds them exclusively for yeah. that streaming show. Yeah. They can't do another show. Right. Without really? being reimbursed. They are not reimbursed for that hold time either. They're not correct? reimbursed yeah. for the hold. And no. so they could wow. sit. I mean, I know the show that I produce. How many episodes a year do you do? We've and done different amounts every take? year. Really? We started... We started this series. I started working on it in 2019, and we have only aired two seasons so far. Our our third season has finished shooting, but we we haven't been able to air it because of the strikes kind of stopped everything. But I do right. know that that our lead actor got a job yeah. he really wanted to do and during a hiatus, and they wouldn't let him do it. They said, oh, no, it competes with our sci-fi show. And he was no. really upset about it. I don't blame him. It's like what you're talking about, that holding deal you had, at least you got paid. Okay, for a year, ABC's got my attention. Well, and I was modeling. They didn't stop uh, me from yeah. modeling. They didn't yeah. want to stop me from being a cover girl because that's what the whole show was about. Right. 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 But hmm. now they don't pay actors that are signed for shows. They don't pay any holding fees. No to hold them for sometimes Mm-mm. a year or or two before the show mm-hmm. finally gets on streaming. And so that is one of the things we're fighting for. That's I love that you mm-hmm. brought that up because I had yeah. never thought about it before. Yeah. But you're right. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, just like Always the happy when something movies. parlays and, yeah. and falls into place so nicely. Yeah, yeah. so yes. nicely. Yeah. Oh, continue so, your story. At, so anyway. A, a year later, TV movie has been filmed. It stars Daryl Hannah and Alexandra Paul. Mm-hmm. Neither of one of them want to do a series. Now ABC wants to do a series. So I auditioned for it. 
Hmm. At the time, I did not know. I mean, they read everybody, but they had their their finger on me the whole time. Hmm. Oh, wow. You find these out later, right? Yeah. But at the time, I couldn't move my neck. I was so nervous. I was so excited. And Hmm. Alexandra Paul and I are also another duo that maybe not now that my face has aged more, but when we were younger and more kind of like, I don't know, there's something about when your face is young, you look more kind of round and we looked more similar. We certainly look like sisters. Hmm. What a kind, kind woman she is. When I did the pilot, I got a message at my agency's office from her about what a fine job I had done. And it was just, yeah. Very sweet. Isn't that sweet? What a sweet person. So the TV movie did really well. Neither Daryl Hannah nor Alexandra Paul wanted to do the TV series. Obviously, it was offered to them first. Mm -hmm. Then yeah. I read for it with Lynn Stallmaster, mm-hmm. was a big casting director in the 80s. Huge. Yep. Huge. So nice. I auditioned for it. The crazy thing was, is I had been working in Europe. So I took the Concorde home oh because I gosh. had a job the very next day. And then at the end of that day, I had to read for Lynn Stallmaster. Like wow. Okay, really? I, I'm not even, like, I'm not I, even listening to Stallmaster, the audition. All I'm listening, all I have in my mind is that you were on the Concord. I never got a chance I to know. ride on the Concord before they decommissioned all of them. How was that? Was that like so amazing? Many. I did it more than twice, oh, more than three times. You it's lucky so dog! Oh my god! So and I was on it when you could smoke on it. Oh my god! We were, well, you were never a smoker, though, were you, Garrett? You were I was. Smoker, you, yes. You were Both too. Smoke for us. Yes. Okay. The, okay. This is so bad. But the cutest little packs of cigarettes—they'd come through. It was like, oh yes, please. Can you believe we could <laughs> wow. smoke on that? Oh on the concord of like all this, you're like in yeah. the tube and... you're in a missile basically and you're smoking yeah. oh my god did you feel it when you were flying in it could you feel the speed difference or no no there i what i remember there was something physical like i don't we the sonic boom right yeah. something like a little right but there was like nothing a... dramatic like you could get up and walk to the washroom and you know do your business and, and you're not whoa like i mean it was just smooth right just wow. a smooth and you look out the window and it was like seeing that that the curvature the of the uh, of the earth yes. right oh gosh because your elevation is even higher you you guys so are flying high. higher than than you a, have a normal to, because jet. you're yeah. breaking the the yeah. sound barrier yeah. which is yeah fast and high because oh you don't want to hit anybody either so, no you don't no no and the last time i went i was 36 paris to la or paris to new york or what were you doing what, what leg was that yeah it was paris because okay. i hadn't been to england yet so or it was working i think in germany and i had to take a flight from germany to paris to anyway yes who's gonna rem- this is no. not the part of the story that's fun it's not I part continue. of the story that's fun is yes. i was working in europe had to take that concord over to work in america at any rate imagine how tired i am and yeah. I, oh, I think gosh, it's like yeah. anything when you're when you're yeah, my life was really glamorous, especially looking back on it. But when you're living in it and you're exhausted, yeah, it's. I just remember days when I'd have those nine and a half hour turnarounds. Like the first year, yeah, I needed them. I wanted the money. I needed it. I felt like I was depleted. But after a while, you're like, can I just give you the money? Because I really need sleep. Yeah. Sleep yeah. would be my friend and yours because I would remember my lines if I got sleep. Exactly. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> my friend and yours. And yours. So I'm doing it at the audition and I can't get my lines right. Oh. Um, I was so overtired and I so wanted it so badly. I was so stressed out. But the funny thing was, is everything about me doing how I did it, I was absolutely in character. I oh. was naive. I was, I was so insecure and so sorry that I wasn't getting it right. And it, and I was and younger it, than my years in how I was coming across. Right. Right. And it just naive anyway, because I'd only been out of Iowa two years. It's like, yeah. you don't suddenly become this like, yeah. you know, hit person coming from. So you being flustered. It, from. Right. So your anxiety and flusteredness, it, it worked for yeah. the character and for the audition. Uh, I yeah. love it. You got lucky yeah, on that one. Yeah, I got really lucky on that one. Yeah. The other naive thing was I thought because it took place in New York, I would be still living in New York. <laughs> mm. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> so they filmed in Los Angeles for New York. 
Yeah, so I relocated and it only went 13 episodes. Oh, oh. oh wait boy. a minute. Okay, so you moved. That was really upsetting. Moved my whole world to Los to... Angeles, which I was not excited about 1984. Oh, oh. What neighborhood did you stay in when you first moved there? Of course, not a good one. Uh, Gower and Sunset. I was staying at a, a friend of a friend's house because oh. they were out of the country. And so I was and there were raccoons in the walls. <laughs> I was so terrified. I was such an apartment person. It was like, no, this like anybody could break into the house. There's no dog. I didn't know what to do. It was crazy. That's oh funny. The God. first time I went to crazy. L.A. was around 1984 to do an episode of a, of a TV show. Yeah. And instead of staying at the hotel that the that the network was going to put me up at i had a friend from new york a broadway theater person friend of mine who said um groverdale and anita morris groverdale was a big broadway choreographer and uh, they have a house in laurel canyon and they've got a guest house and uh -huh. they'll you just go stay at, at grover and anita's house so i go up to the guest house oh god in laurel canyon coming from new york city like you're describing and yes. I feel like I'm in the middle of like nowhere. It, Laurel yeah, Canyon. It's was, terrifying. It was terrifying. And I'm staying in this like shack, basically. It was barely a guest house. And then at <laughs> night, I hear the coyotes. Oh, the yeah. coyotes in Laurel Canyon are loud. And yeah. they God. seemed like they were right outside the walls, these paper thin they walls. They were. Guest house. I'm they sure were. they were. I was terrified. <laughs> I want to get back to New York City so bad so bad yeah oh my god yeah i kept going i kept trying to get back to new york and every time i would just get settled in new york i would end up getting a job and have to go back to la wow yeah. so but i also got into uda hagen's acting class it yeah. was like <gasps> uda hoggins oh my that's, god i'm gonna yeah, i'm gonna really deal. yeah yeah and auditioning was, was so scary but then i couldn't go to class because mm. we weren't filming in new york and there oh, that's I'm thinking, right. you know, like Woody so you, Allen, dream come true. I'm going to work in New York, study in New York. Uda eventually Hagen, I'll be on yes. stage. You, yeah. you were accepted into Uta Hagen's class and you could not take the class because you weren't in the city. So, oh, oh. that sucks. What did I, you do when you made this transition to acting? So you'd been, you know, mm -hmm. super successful very quickly, just, you know, off the plane from Iowa. And then two years later, you're starting to do all this acting. How did you, what did you start to do like for your creative process? What kinds of things were you studying? Mm -hmm. Like if you couldn't get into Uda's class or couldn't make that work out, were you, was there other coaches or people that you were studying with? Oh yeah. I was, um, I was studying with Kate McGregor Stewart. And I think at that time in New York city, she probably, uh, did every scene I could do with her mm. until I had to move to LA. And then when I lived in LA, um, a, a couple of friends of mine and I, this is before I left for um, LA, went to see Kevin Bacon and um, Sean Penn. Oh, what's the name of that play? Slab, slab Boys. I know the play. Yes. Slab yes. Boys. I, I saw and it. Yes. We, we went and so made friends i mean i'm not i just shook uh kevin bacon's hand so i have that six degrees six of degrees kevin of kevin bacon, bacon. yes <laughs> um but i don't know him but sean penn when i got to la his dad directed a few episodes and he recommended i go to um bill Tra trailer and peggy fury's acting classes where laura dern was in those classes huh. so mm -hmm. and so was um eric stoltz he used to tease me relentlessly. When you did make the move to Los Angeles, at that point, did yes. you completely sever ties with modeling? Or was modeling still kind of a backup until you, you know, found something even more secure? No, because at that time, that's a really good question. At that time in the world, if you were doing both, you you couldn't do both, really. It was okay. like you weren't. Yeah. You weren't respected or you had this anyway, you had this uh, idea that you wouldn't be respected. Right. Okay. And on top of it, the agent at the time, he's no longer with us, but um, they wanted 20%. And my agent was making 10% my acting age. So you can't, you can't take 30%. Right. 
No. And he wasn't having anything to do with that. So we had a terrible severing of our relationship, which is really funny, too, at the time when you think about how they talk to you when you're a teenager as if they're dealing with another adult. Mm -hmm. Right. I was 19. A 50-year-old man's talking to me like I'm a 30-year-old woman. I'm 19. I've only lived in New York City for a minute. I'm not spoiled. I just don't understand how all of these things work. So people need to sit you down and have a calm conversation about what's happening. Not these dramatic fights. It's just, oh my gosh. It says a lot about where a lot of us come from, from drama. And it just parlays into it instead of people taking it down a notch. yeah, Yeah. I feel like the culture of Hollywood or modeling or show business, all of it, I think back to the early 80s when I first got to New York and you were certainly much more successful than I was at that at the, in those years. But I do remember some of the stuff happening in the 80s and the culture was very, it was bullying. There was a lot of bullying. Yeah. And, 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 That's not um, good. and shaming. I don't know if Shaming and fear. Yeah. Oh. And it, Body it, it shaming. Just, oh, you'll, you'll, it'll ruin your career. It was like, Oh, yeah. I can't ruin my career. It's like, yeah. I don't even yeah. know what that I'm from a normal place. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what a show business that, career is. What does that mean? Yeah. Well, I think that's a lot of what, like, I know that SAG-AFTRA is really not just some of the things that this strike is about is not just about money, but it's about workplace conditions and safety and respect in the workplace and all those things. Um, Oh, yes. You know, and me stuff too that... brought a lot of it to the head, but people yeah. still get away with a lot of stuff. It's like mm. the, like yeah. most things when it's immediate in the, in the news and the, you know, the headlines and it's brand new, people are really scared. And yeah. then when time goes by and people just sort of sneak back into their old behavior. It's- Robbie, you said your first time out in LA was 84. Is it what you said? I think it was 84. Okay. I think so. 84, and 85. Were the Olympics happening? Like Maybe it was the year after that then. Might have been 85. No. Eh, I don't know. It was one of, I can't remember. It was in the mid-80s. Yes. It was the mid-80s. It was a blur. For you, for blur. you, it was 84 that you were there on Sunset and Gower, staying in that area. 84, summer of 84, yeah. correct? Mm-hmm. Wow. So check it out. If Robbie was then there that at 84, that's the same year that you got there. And for me... That's when I was in my freshman year of college orientation was summer of eighty of eighty four before I was oh, a freshman you went to college. at UCLA. Yeah, uh, so I I graduated you were UCLA. Yeah, so I was in LA Keep when you guys educated. <laughs> I was in LA when you guys were there too at the same time. That's basically. amazing. Yeah, but it was um, a much smaller it's more amazing town that we're not from then. there. Yes. Yeah, yeah, wasn't it? And there was rush hour. There were rush hours. Yeah. Like if you like, uh, if you made an appointment for eleven, you wouldn't be crushed with traffic. Yeah, yeah. You definitely wouldn't be crushed first thing in the morning, like you know nine thirty. It'd be like, oh, yay! Did you guys go to that nightclub Vertigo? That was like the big nightclub back in the eighties, oh, really? mid eighties. I don't know. If I that's remember going there, bell. but you couldn't do anything because you get carded. You you can't drink till you're twenty one. Where was Vertigo? Yeah, Where was it? True. Uh, it? Somewhere in Hollywood, under the Beverly Center. Under the Beverly Center? Oh, no. Oh, oh I one? remember that club. What's that yeah, there was one? one that, that was one? down below the Beverly Center. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Just off San Vicente. I remember I that. I don't one. remember that. That's one. the one I remember. But I do remember. Oh, wait, Vertigo. It was on La Cienega. I that think was that a little later. Right. Yeah, a little bit yeah. later. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Garrett was a club guy. I was no, not a club no, guy. I was not during college, not until no. I was on the show that I turned into a club guy. That's when uh, I was going oh, I to like Vegas. And, yeah, that was yeah. the fun part. Dancing is great. So pr- different projects coming along. How did you feel creatively that your confidence in acting and being a performer like that um, grew or changed from modeling and your very first pilot in the series? Um, into the other projects you started doing like when did you start to feel like oh yeah I know what I'm doing or or how did you get to that place I think one of the things that helped is modeling in in a sense the structure of your life is very similar when you're doing guest guest stars and that yeah you go on a trip you're with like 10 people they're the same people 10 people for 10 days and then the next trip 
a whole new set of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you just get used to working with new people and you have to, you get used to like, there's that, well, let's make it to Friday. And if they're still nice by Friday. <laughs> right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so try not to get too excited the first couple of days. So there's the rhythm of all of that, but I don't, I don't know. I think it was just working with uh, being in class probably gave me more confidence than anything. Yeah. yeah. And then really what makes it difficult, even thinking about it now is when there's time, big chunks of time when you aren't working, Yeah. then it feels really nerve wracking or um, when someone's smiling, a producer's smiling to your face, but you hear from your agent, they're not happy. Mm-hmm. Then it's yeah. sort of like, uh, shit. Ah, uh, what do I do? I don't know mm-hmm. how to fix it. And um, I think that's when it gets difficult. But the joy of trusting it uh, to a certain degree and watching other people fail too and think, well, we're all learning in front of camera. We're, yeah. It's on the job training, really, because it's nothing like acting class. It really yeah. isn't. It's, it's no, so it's different. Yeah, you get so much more time in acting class. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to do. You need to get up and fail in front of people. Yeah. I say that uh, sometimes to actors that I work with, that they sort of bring in a mindset like, oh, well, we have the time or the ability to experiment or try things. I'm like, this is an acting class. <laughs> I literally had to say that. Like, <laughs> we're not in class wow. right now. Yeah. This yeah. is what the writer intended. And yeah. sure, there's a million possibilities mm. in acting class, but not here. Not here. We're actually mm-hmm. telling a story that's very specific. And so we need to tell it this way and we need to do it quickly. Like we have a lot of shots. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hate to be the bad, the tough guy, but sometimes I've had to literally say that, like, that's for acting class. And that's a great place to go and yeah. stretch and try things. But this is not that. This is delivering. This is prof- your professional actors. And yeah. Absolutely. I do want to say one thing too about modeling. I was yeah. lucky enough to work for the magazines a lot. And in, when you work on the magazines, you're creating a picture. Yeah. So obviously they control, they are controlling the bigger vision, but yeah. you're part of the artistry of that. So in a sense, it is an acting lesson when you're yeah. doing that. And, you know, certainly on, on a minor, just even, you know, you could be sick and you're still looking good, posing, doing your thing. That's There are still little elements of getting used to, big element, the camera. There are a lot mm-hmm. of actors that get freaked out about the camera. And once you've modeled, the only thing that you have to remember is to not look in it. Yeah. yeah. It's like, just don't look at the camera. Okay. It's not like every modeling job I always look right into the camera yeah yeah you're right I th- i've never thought of it that way but as a model there's a there's an element of performance you know mm-hmm. no matter how you feel you got to bring a certain performance and there's a story to the shot you're telling too there's a story of absolutely whatever this whatever that story is that without words you've got to create a story and the clothes are creating yeah. that too and you're so you're in a costume and you're yeah. you can take it apart or you can make it add to your uh experience it's interesting you bring up modeling and clothes and and kind of using the clothes to tell a story did you find as an actress that you were more aware than maybe other actors about the clothes and how they told the story because of coming from a modeling background i don't know i couldn't talk about i think that's such an element of acting to have the clothes talk about your character i wouldn't think that that uh, I could compare whether you, the three of us, we'd have to say who cares more about or is more aware of the clothes. Yeah. Right? I, I, I like mean, personally for um, me, I never thought about the clothes. Like I, I never, it just wasn't something. And I'm not saying that that's better or worse. It's just, I, I probably should have thought more, but I was like, <laughs> okay, what do you want me to wear? Sure. I'll wear that. Like I, you know, how do you well, want to do my hair? I didn't think about those things as much. And I probably should have, like, well, like you say that. But maybe the model, that's something. Yeah. But maybe that has something to do with why you enjoy directing so much. Yeah, maybe. You know, you're like delegating that. I think about it as a director more. Like, no, that's uh, you know, as I'm looking at other people, 
I'm very aware, is that telling the right story? Is there a way that we can dress them that enhances their experience as a character? I think about that a lot, but as an actor, I didn't. You didn't think about that at all, basically. No. <laughs> I think I used to worry about things looking authentic or inauthentic in, in clothes. Yeah. But also one of the things I really didn't like was how they kind of overdo my hair. And it's like, how, how are these actors, actresses having their hair look like normal hair? And you've got hot rollers in my hair and I yeah. look like I have a helmet on. How yeah. hard is it to just have somebody let me have just my hair? Regular hair, not me, all done up. Yeah. yeah. Like, did they do yeah, that when you, like, were, when you were modeling? Did they do work your hair as much as, as when you were acting? Oh, because yes, because the hairdresser yeah. is also it's it's his shot too. Mm -hmm, so there's a yeah. tear sheet. Every person that contributes, uh, it's not unlike uh, acting jobs. Mm -hmm. Everybody who contributes wants to take that film, whether yeah. it be a photograph or moving pictures, and use it as part of their. Um, see, this is my experience and I was a part of this. And mm -hmm. these are my choices that help contribute to the story or the picture or mm -hmm. whatever, right? For their so portfolio. For their portfolio. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And we all want to have part of that tell our story and how uh, our yeah. artistry gives, you know. Yeah, so, but... but the hair thing would drive me mad and makeup too. <laughs> like way too much makeup on and it's like, oh, Come did, on. <laughs> did, did you talk about Ivana Chubbuck at all? Did you get into that oh, story? No. No. Okay. Okay. Here's the thing. When I started, I, they didn't really know what they wanted me to do. And I, um, on the show that uh, we can't really talk about, mm. uh, and them not being happy with uh, me in particular, they want, I think they really wanted me to be more stoic. And uh, wow. I just couldn't really understand how somebody who was 350 years old and had been a, a man and a woman in many lifetimes, to me, would not be a stoic person mm. in that sort of shut down emotionally, uh, very, not like an unlike Jerry's character, right? Very mm -hmm. non-emotional. Mm -hmm. To me, I thought, well, I can't wrap my brain around being anything but massively curious yeah now if i'm alive that long yeah and i'm still curious about beings whatever they are mm -hmm. yeah. i have to i'm the oldest person here mm -hmm. i've been where you are at one lifetime or another at one point in my development or another so i have compassion and empathy for every single one of you so I would have to kind of laugh at humanity and yeah. get a chuckle out of, you know, like how having kids, yeah. your kids do silly things. And sometimes it yeah. hurts their feelings that you're laughing at them. And you're like, oh my gosh, you have no idea how cute you are right now. Yeah. And you're trying so hard as a parent to just put a lid on it. Yeah. So there's that element to it. So mm -hmm. when I, they sent me to go meet um, Ivana Chubbuck. Yeah, actually, the director, um, who I can't think of, and it's because I have a mind block because he was not kind to me at all. Oh. But the kindness he did give me was introducing me to Ivana. Mm. So we're working on the script together, and she's let's just read this. So we did, and she said, "You have no problem with your acting. Uh, here's what they want. They don't want you to be uh, all of my sense of humor." they want it eradicated. She said, but I don't think that's a strong choice. I don't think that's a good choice because I think you do really well at making that turn in in the dialogue. You're yeah. finding mm. that, you're finding what's underneath the, the lines. Uh -huh. So she said, what I really see is that you need someone to run lines and I'm happy to take their money. So why don't we meet? And we'll <laughs> I love it. Oh, she that's coached awesome. me through stuff and like, yeah. she taught me how she teaches yeah which was really helpful to me because yeah. i was obviously not being able to bring the build trailer uh and, and and peggy fury were method actors right they were from stella i also yeah. took from stella, stella but this is way after yeah mm. so ivana really helped me a lot and in my confidence too if it's not you you're not crazy you're not doing right. it they're asking something that doesn't work really 
and, yeah. and the, it's flat without you being comic relief as well. And I wasn't being crazy comic relief. It was. No, it was your interpretation of the character. If your character has been around that long, you would be amused by all the silliness of humanity. Why would you be this stoic detached person in the background? Like It didn't agree with how you saw the character. It sounds like so. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Hmm. Yeah, it's so funny that you say that. I, I remember, and I've talked about this with Garrett before, but we had a lunch before we launched our series, yes. our sci-fi series. Yeah, And we were explicitly told that because there's rubber on people's faces and everything's so larger than life, we were explicitly told no acting. Just we want things almost military. We want it dry. Yeah, like the more acting, the more feelings that you have, the more silly this whole world feels. Yeah. So you need to bring wow. it down. You're explicitly told that. I remember that and thinking, yeah. yeah. So I think, yeah. they, I think they had an, well, an, and whether it was. Techno babble, it made sense. Mm -hmm. I'm not yeah. making a joke out of techno babble, not when I'm doing my job. Right. Yeah. You were not going to joke but about in, that. In, yeah. But there's just this sense of this wry dryness you want to have. Sure. There's, we're human beings. It's also funny if if you watch the new sci-fi series shows that are out, the mm -hmm. style of acting is very different than we were kind of in the informed. 90s. Yes. We were yeah. in a very tightly controlled style of acting mm -hmm. and now these new shows have all kinds of human there yeah. experiences there's because... so much more loosey-goosey than we were oh, back yeah. in the night it's closer yeah. to the original yeah yeah i wish we so could have all about. of us it's just I closer to real life that's yeah. it you know it'd be nice yeah. if we could have done that for sure I think you're on the right track is my point. You yeah. had it right. <laughs> finding the, finding you, the, you, know. need, you didn't need Ivana Chubbuck. You could have did it on your no, own. You know what? <laughs> but but I did need her because she helped build my confidence. Yes, and yes I that's, learned right. How to, that's right. She taught me how to break down a script in a way that I hadn't learned before. Oh, so, can you uh, share that with us? I'd like to know that. I'm just curious. I didn't. Well, I never it studied with her. made it taking my personal life Mm -hmm. What's happening mm -hmm. right now today and interjecting it into it's it's kind of like method in that I'm taking a real life thing. Yes. That works for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so using a real frustration, yeah. but uh not kind of doing it a, a long thing about it. It would be mm -hmm. like I am pretending I'm talking to this one person in my life mm -hmm. that I'm really angry with. Mm -hmm. And I'm angry with your character. So you're not really there for me. I'm using this other person as the, to, to drive my emotion. Mm -hmm. Just like mm -hmm. when I was saving, if I was saving somebody and it was life or death and it was really something that I was on edge about, I would use my sister and her, my nieces and nephews as my Mm. that's who my goal was to protect the them. Yeah. But that was my substitution. Right. But it mm. wasn't like method where I, I thought about it a great deal or anything like that. It right. felt more like Sir Lawrence Olivier say, how about you just try acting? Okay. But I <laughs> so use you, that. You, so you came using them to plug in there because you have to have something going you're... on in your brain. Yeah. You can't just, yeah. Or you're not interesting to watch. Okay, am I right to say this, Terry? You're using your real life as a spark plug that you think about for a split second and it gets you into the scene and that's it. You don't keep thinking about it. Like standard, typical, old school method is you stay in that character, you stay in that circumstance no matter what happens. Even when they stop rolling the cameras, you're still that character and you're still living yeah, that no, substitution I forever. Can't do that. You can't. So you're quickly in it and then out is what Chubbuck would teach you. Okay, yeah. I like that. Yeah, and, and would write those substitutions in. She also helped me with some TV movies that I did too. Mm. When the dialogue and everything made more sense and it was easier for me to memorize, um, then it felt like I could be a little more indulgent on sticking with my substitution or just really it's whatever works in that moment, isn't it? I mean, mm. that's what it is. If, if 
a sense memory, like listening to a certain song makes you really sad and you have to be crying in a scene and you listen to that song before, or if you need menthol in your eyes, I used to have so much pride. No, 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 no. I have to get there myself. And and then there's a point where you're just like, oh, just, we write just, it up here. <laughs> Let's write it here. And there, then give me a little Vaseline or a little, you know, fixed vapor rub and all right. that. You know, it just, there, there's a point where we just don't have time to get all fussy with it. Yeah. Let's tell the story. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's more than one way to get to the final destination. So, and, you know, we use what we can use, what we need to use to get there. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, if um, we all had a lot of money, like, did you see, oh, Never mind. I'd have to say too many things that would not be okay. Well, tell us off record. What was it? Okay. Just, just to cu- I'm just curious. <laughs> well, the whale. I saw Brendan Fraser interviewed uh, about the whale. Hmm. Did you see that interview? And he talked about he couldn't get to the place he wanted to be. And the director, they shot it the next day. But he talked about how as an actor, sometimes you just can't get to the place that you yeah. want to be at for whatever yeah. reason. Yeah. You're tired. You didn't eat right or whatever this array of things are, it was just an off day. And they were blessed with being able to have another day. I just, Mm -hmm. that we did not have that. And the actors don't have that indulgence to have, or that creative freedom or that kind of money to have the creative freedom to take another day. So you need to sometimes write it down. Yeah. One last question for me about your creativity. It's a collaboration question. You know, how does collaboration work, whether it's with other actors or with directors or writers? Like, are you, do you, do you talk about scenes with other actors? Like the detail of how, or do you just kind of wait and see how it's going to go? Or how's that process, you know, worked for you collaborating with people? I think it kind of depends on who you're with. Or, or the situation you're in, because mm-hmm. if you're with people that like to rehearse, then it's great. Then it's fun to talk about it all, or you, you know, yeah. try to get all the juice out of it. And I feel like if you have the opportunity to, it's it's always better if you uh, can rehearse it to the point where you just know it, and then you can relax and just listen and just be in it and mm-hmm. and see where that takes you, right? Because you've done that homework. But we both, we all three know they're doing the shows we've done. That's a luxury to get to do that. Yeah. But I mean, if you can have the luxury, I would give my own time to do the the rehearsal, you know, but then again, that's probably something in our, our striking. It gets sticky because people want to get paid for their time. Yeah. But I think the product looks better if you, it's not like what's your, you know, I think Rodney said to uh, Keith Gordon, like, what is your face looking like when I say such and such? It's like, it's not like that. <laughs> it's, not, it's more yeah. like, well, let me see your character so I can listen to you and feel yeah. of, like, who are we in this together? Because you're yeah. creating it together, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I like, I like to talk about it. I think it's interesting and fun. And yeah, Yeah, it sounds like you were, you in the sci-fi world that we were all a part of, it sounds like you were very (laughs) thoughtful, you know, working with acting coaches and it sounds like you really put a lot of thought and a lot of, uh, a lot of creativity and and passion into the work. So thank you. I do miss that part. I miss that. I miss the camaraderie. All right. Well, we just want to say thank you so much to Terry Farrell for joining us uh, for our weekly Delta Flyers podcast. Thank you once again, Terry. And thank Terry again, because she's going to hang out with us for a little bit longer. For all of you Patreon patrons, please stay tuned for your bonus material where you will get a little more Terry Farrell, which is always (laughs) a good thing. Yes. All right. Thanks, Terry. Once again. Thanks, Terry. Thank you guys. I am so excited and I love hanging out with you. Yay. Yeah, that's really <laughs> Thank fun. Thank you. Awesome. And I look forward to meeting all of you guys on the other end of this. Right? There you yeah, go. That's right. <laughs>